0: their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Brianna, my lovely co-host, Catherine G. Mendoza. Catherine, say hi to the people. What up, people? You look so cute in your little hat. I know all, all in the Patreon people can see, but you look so cute in your little hat.
1: Yeah, I haven't worn a hat in forever. I just feel weird wearing hats indoors. Like, you know, unless you're going to be like on camera, I get it. But because I did not want to do my hair today. But if you're just home, people who are hat people at home, it's
0: weird. It is weird. weird. It's weird to wear it. I wear it when I don't want to do my hair either. Like I've done a couple of virtual shows and I've had a hat on because it's like, look, you either get makeup or hair. You don't get both. No. Sometimes you don't get both. Right.
1: But it's like. Like, I think, I I understand hats as a fashion statement, right? So if you're, like, going to someone's house and you're just going to chill in their house and it's part of your look, I think the reason is because you're also going to go back out. Yeah. But nobody, I I really try to, like, think about who wakes up, stays home all day, and then just goes, I'm going to throw on a hat. Yeah.
2: Like, Mm -hmm. that's weird.
0: I'm going to throw on a hat right now. No. Sometimes to get it out of my face so that... My son does not yank my hair. Sometimes I'll put a hat on instead okay. of using a Liga because still oh, there'll be strands of hair. So I'll just put a hat on to hold my hair back so that way okay. he doesn't yank at it because he's in that yanking stage, which is, by the way, amazing. Um, where he just grabs my hair and he'll just like try to pull it. And I'm like, Oh, this is great. This is great. You haven't damaged my body enough. Now you're gonna rip my hair out at the roots.
1: See, that's where I would buy, I, I have one. I, I, I bought a bonnet.
0: Girl, if you would, <laughs> you first of all, it's the same thing, but I thought you were going to say a hairnet. And I'm like, it's the same damn thing. It might have the same damn thing.
1: <laughs> but let me tell you the thing about a bonnet. Oh. It's really great for like when you're really hot because it's literally just putting everything in there. For me, it's like, I don't wear bonnets for the purposes like um uh black women may do it, right like if they if you uh, a lot I know that a lot of black women wear bonnets because if they get their hair um pressed or blown out, you want to keep it it's silk and it allows it to like um not sweat out, yeah. I do it more for heat purposes, so it's like I'm hot, my hair's long, and I don't want to maybe wear like you said a liga, it's yeah. that alternative, plus like you said, it gets out of the face it's like because you're literally tucking it all in there, yeah. Mm. But I don't feel like a bonnet is the same as a hat. You know it what I mean? Like, I don't get the
0: same different. heat. Yeah, because it it's more a shower cap than it is it, like a hat. So right. like, I don't, I, like, I wouldn't wear a bonnet out in them streets because there's no, no purpose for me to wear it. You know yeah. what I mean? If I was going out, I would put on a hat or I'd put my hair up in a bun or whatever. Yeah. Like, Lord knows the, atro- the atrocities I've committed hair-wise, walking yeah. outside and not caring. But I wouldn't wear a bonnet, like, outside the house. But I can understand inside the house if you put it on, you know, just to get get your hair. If you're cooking, like, you get your hair out of the way. If it's New York City summer, like, it's been... Yeah. You want to get out of here. Yeah, I totally get it. I totally get it. And sometimes leave us break, yo. Like, if you got thick hair like me, the amount of times my hair ties have broken is, like, just snapped off. Like, giving up all hope and just snapped. Gone from fine to nope. In like yeah.
2: Seconds.
1: No, and I, I mean, for me, um, they do break, but it's more like um, I get a lot of like pressure on my head. Like, so if I wear um, a, a hair tie too tight, you know, after a while, I need to like relieve that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Cause so you, you get it, you, you start to. Right.
1: That little pain right where the tie was, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's why you need something else to put your hair up. That's where the bonnet comes
0: in. The note me. to men when you see your girl, taking her hair out of a ponytail. Do me a favor, just massage her head real Right
1: in the middle, right Right in in the middle.
0: You'll make her so happy.
1: You ever um, seen those tweets that are like, um, uh, sex is cool, but, and I think this is one of them. Sex is cool, but have you ever had a man play with your hair right when you take your hair tie off? That's real.
0: Oh, that head massage right when you take that pony I forget who I dated They used to do that there was um one of my exes probably, it was probably the only a nice thing one of my exes did I don't know or <laughs> he would always like massage my head to the point where I would like lean in like a yeah. cat, like, hey, oh, cat. Yeah. like go ahead rub, rub my head real quick
1: that oh yeah so nice oh yeah there's just something so like relieving about that there's nothing like it's a head massage little
0: things that you do okay so case in point i'm gonna case in point this so not gonna lie having a baby very stressful things have been stressful you know and every married couple goes back and forth and like fights and like has like bickering and you know it's been tough like the two of us have been fighting like we haven't fought before me and my husband and then things kind of chilled out and then like out of nowhere and this is why when you look at like you go okay this is why i married this person I was taking a nap with the baby and um, I come out, Jeremy comes in to get the baby and I, you know, he goes, I'll change him. And I was like, all right, I'll go get a bottle ready. And I go to the kitchen to get a bottle ready for him. And there is a cake sitting on the kitchen table with a little note that says, I love you. And I wanted the first cake that I ever made to be a cake for you. Cake with chocolate frosting, which is my favorite cake. And when I tell you, like, I've never had anybody do something so thoughtful and so sweet, it just, I mean, it's the little things, y'all. It's the little things that you do for somebody that seem insignificant to you, but to that person mean the world. Yeah, no,
1: totally. I think that's for like any anything right like in relationships anything and that's one of those you not only said he made a cake but he made your favorite cake Mm -hmm. so it's like there's so much um thought into it right because like I don't think he was like just sitting at home like yeah let me just make a cake there was a little bit of planning there was a little bit of like you know I'm pretty sure he
0: went out and overt planning to need to be not in the kitchen or not going back and forth and not doing stuff, and you know, for to be gone for a chunk of hours. So like the fact that I slept and I, I hadn't been napping while the baby was napping, because that's what they tell you to do. Um, I was just so touched by it. It's just like the the sweetest little things, and people forget that in relationships so much, where it's like the little things really matter more than super grand gestures. Grand gestures mean nothing. Like if you bring me a cup of water and the house is already on fire, like.
1: Well, I mean, I think that like, um, and I think that goes for any relationship, right? Because I think people forget that like it could be a part. I mean, a a roommate, like even in roommate situations, that can matter. Like, um, I I I always use this example because like knowing my own personal love languages, um, I'm somebody who acts of service is high. A
0: lot of love languages. Go ahead.
1: Right, like so, love um, acts of service is high for me, and. A lot of people take that as in like, I need you to do things for me, but that's not exactly what it means for me. Well, for me particularly, I can't speak for everybody. Um, Access service for me is about um, attention to things that I have no problem doing and I can do, but for some reason in that specific situation, I don't have to do it because you took care of it. So I use this example um, when I was like teaching my mom about uh, love languages when we were doing the test, I, I was like, I personally look at acts of service as in like, um, if my apartment is pretty big. If I'm cleaning, let's just say the second half of my apartment, right? And she's cleaning the first half of the apartment and she uses the mop because she's at the mopping stage. To me, an act of service is that she took the mop after she finished using it, cleans it as she would have to either way, right? Because you have to clean the mop after you use it. But if she were to leave the bucket right in the middle point of my apartment with fresh water, fresh fabuloso, and just the mop in there, but said nothing, right? Because she either even so, you just have to clean the mop anyways and you have to take the water out. Yeah. But let's just say she took that extra step. She don't have to. But if she did, and I, when I get to the mopping stage, I walk outside to get it, but then I see the thing there. That in itself. I'm not like, oh my god, yeah, you need to do that for me. But that thought, the thought of, you know what, she got to use this after me. Let me just leave it fresh for her. That's act of service. That's love to me. Because that means, shit, that two seconds that I don't have to pour water, yeah. pour the fabuloso. For some reason, it's not a bother to me to I pour those things.
0: Because everybody be using that.
1: Yeah, like I, I just. That to me is like I said, after service. That's a love language because that's just a, a little bit of my day that I don't have to do. It's the same as leaving coffee for someone in yes. in like the
0: kitchen. Yes. Or just making coffee for somebody. Like some since me yeah. and Jenna are usually up early. I'll come in the kitchen and I like, if she's making coffee, she'll be like, do you want a cup of coffee too? And she'll just make me a cup of coffee. And I'm like, I could totally do that myself. Totally, 100% do that myself. But the fact that somebody else would take that initiative and make me a cup of coffee and give me a coffee, I think it also comes with like, and me and Jenna have talked, we've had some great conversations and we'll get into that in a second. But me and Jenna have talked about this several times when you're a woman that's constantly like, like think about it this way. If, you, if you're a boss, if you're a boss chick, you're, you're doing your own thing, you have your own career, you know, you're working towards stuff. You're constantly doing, 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 doing. When right. somebody else takes the reins and can do for you, yeah, it is one of the most thoughtful things that a person can do for somebody who is so used to being in control and somebody who is so used to having to be in control in order to get things done. And I've had that conversation with a lot of women that, like me have a, you know, specific career goals and things and tend to get caught up in that. And so we do and we do and we do. And then we'll, you know, we don't always take the best care of ourselves in that way. And so to have somebody else go, you know what, tonight I'll make dinner. You know what, tonight, why don't you run a bath? I'll do this, I'll do that, you know. That's the kind of stuff that really touches me. And because the way I show love is I give gifts. I love to give people things or to help people. I just love it it makes me feel good if you need a new this or a new that and I go oh I saw this no you need a new one so I picked it up for you it's just how I show love I but I do not receive love by getting gifts that's right you don't receive it that way the way I receive love is acts of service it's things like that so I totally understand where you're coming from where it's like no you don't have to serve me I'm not asking you to be a servant I'm saying, notice the little things that maybe I neglect even for myself, like those little head massages, you know, yeah. I mean? like if you see, if you know that every time I take my ponytail out, I have a headache and you massage my head every time, or you have Tylenol or Advil ready every time for me, like that's so thoughtful.
1: Yeah. I, I mean... I'm trying to think. It's been a while since I've been in a relationship, so I, that's not something that's, like, fresh in my mind.
0: Like said, I think with a friendship, even with a friendship, or a mother-daughter relationship, like with you and your mom. Yeah. Or your love language. Yeah. Well, I think that's another thing. You know, they talk
1: about people give love the way that they expect love. Right? Um, so, to a degree, um, acts of service is something that I will put forth because it's what I expect, right? Um, but then we, just because that's what you expect doesn't mean it's your strength either. Mm-hmm. So for instance, one of my strengths in like love, I mean, the love languages, I mean, one of my weaknesses is um, uh, physical contact, right? That's one of my weaknesses, but words of affirmation is one of my strengths, right? Yeah, Cause like communication-
0: so crazy words of affirmation is not, is my weakness. I don't, I don't congratulate people or like, I won't, I won't give words of affirmation for stuff that I think you should be doing.
2: But you see,
1: maybe the, maybe the problem is that you're, that it's words of affirmations are assumed to be literal, the literal definition of affirmation. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't give words of affirmation through affirmation. I don't, I don't, it's not, I'm, I'm not always like, good job, tiger. Yeah. Like, that's not my way. My way sometimes is noticing um, what could help somebody because like, um, it's observing things and then kind of like peeking behind and going, um, I don't think you see this and finding a way to tell them that because yeah. that is the hurdle that could like make them succeed or make them like see something in a different way. I'm still affirming Something that you knew was a problem, you probably just haven't seen the problem. You haven't yeah. pinpointed it. That's an affirmation. I'm affirming the fact that you had an issue, something, and I, I notice the fact. I figure out what the fact is, and I give it to you. And then I tell you, I might be wrong, I might be right, but what you do with it is on you. Yeah. I've had a lot of people then go, Yo, I didn't see it that way. That's enough affirmation. I affirmed you're like, You're not bugging, you're not crazy. Yeah. You just you needed perspective. So you see, that is a loving thing. Because I have a lot of friends who sometimes, like, they'll get off the phone with me and they'll be like, yo, this was like an odd um, therapy session that I didn't know I needed. And I'm like, yeah, that's just kind of what, how my brain works. But that's affirming you to some degree, you yeah. know? But, um, so I do think that the literal sense, I do think you do that to me, what I do to people. Mm-hmm. But yes, because you're looking at it as like, you don't necessarily always like affirm people through the traditional yeah. affirm. Does that make
0: sense? Like, you do yeah. do it just in a
1: different form. Yeah. And I think people need
0: I don't to- do do it in that literal, like you said, like, good job. Hey, good yes. job there. You know right. what I mean? It's like, no, I don't. I, those little things escape me in that way where it's like, no, well, I'm not going right. to give you that affirmation. But if I take notice of things or, you know, like you were saying, put a different perspective on something for somebody where it's like, hey, look at it this way. And then they'll go, oh, okay. And that, that is a way of like, oh- or well, affirming a person in a certain way. Yeah, you know, I mean, the,
1: the way that gift giving, right? I'm not, a, I'm not somebody who needs gifts, but that doesn't mean I don't like gifts. I just don't need gifts, right? But I do understand that people are sometimes giving you gifts in more than just like a, a, the traditional idea of a gift. Yeah. So if somebody pays for your dinner, that's a gift, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't need for them to pay but I do acknowledge that it was a gift, and yes. I'm grateful for the gift, right? So I'm like, I understand, I mean, I think people sometimes take things too literal. They see those love languages and they go, "Oh, you need gifts. Like, I need to bring you flowers every week." And it's like, I mean, I do like flowers, but I don't need yes. you to bring me flowers, I don't need every
0: flowers week. all the time. Like I don't right. put the occasional thought like that. And it doesn't have to be flowers. I'm not saying flowers, like don't be so literal, but like just being thoughtful to another person is sometimes something that we overlook. And that happens in relationships a lot. It happens in friendships. It happens in romantic relationships. It happens in family relationships Mm -hmm. where we either forget to be polite or forget to be courteous to somebody that we're in a relationship with. I know that I'm 100% guilty of that. 100%. I know. Yeah. Oh, one hundred. Should we should take note?
1: Yeah, like especially politeness. Politeness is probably one of the biggest things that I think about constantly. Where it's like, um, we don't practice politeness within our own immediate circle on a constant basis. Um, and it's so funny because my sister and I were talking about this because she's homeschooling, right? Mm-hmm. And how she talks about how difficult it is for her, and and she's like, oh my god. Uh, 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 I commend teachers, and I go listen. I commend teachers too, but um, teachers and classroom settings. When you're a child, especially younger age child, I mean children. Excuse me. They um. You. I remember going to school, and you kind of automatically have this like uh, uh, either fear or hesitation or respect for teachers in the classroom. So you're a little more orderly, quote unquote, right? But if you're learning at home, that kid is going to be way more distracted, even if you create a, a classroom environment in their home, right? So I was telling her, to some degree, I kind of feel like you have it harder than the teacher because children feel the most comfortable around their parents. So they kind of feel most comfortable to not be quote unquote yeah. polite and kind uh, to ev- at every second of an eight hour day the yeah. way they do at school. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just. I'm like, I noticed that, like, my, uh, my mom used to say this all the time, don't treat people in the street better than you treat people at home. Yeah. But I realized, um, isn't that what we all to a degree do because we take it for granted? Um, and we learned that from young, from very, very young. I, and, and, and it, 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 but it comes with the comfort of home. It comes with the comfort of people. Um, you just need to be more conscious of it as you start including new people into your life. So now your mom, your dad, your sister, those like built-in dynamics. When you got a husband and you got best friends, those are people who don't need to be there. Yeah. You're choosing to be there. So you got to be polite. You got to be kind. I don't know. I just, I think that's what we forget. Cause once like, you know, I, 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 I recently had this situation with a friend
2: mm-hmm.
1: where I'm, I noticed by talking to a mutual friend um, who had a falling out with them where I said, I noticed the closer we got to that friend, me and this individual, the more they treated us like family, the more they said, oh, you're just like family. But I said, do you realize that the disrespect was more on the table, the more we became family to them? Mm -hmm. And they were like, I never looked at it like that. And I said, yes, because that's how they treat their siblings. So the more they say, oh, you like my sister, you like my sister, my man, is that how you treat your sister? Yeah. So then I don't want to be your sister.
0: <laughs> like, Yeah, it is. You know why? Because there's an expectation that your family will always forgive you, that your family will, right. o- will always accept you. So right. you can always be a selfish douchebag right. to your family without even thinking about it because you have this expectation that they'll get over it. They'll say, sorry, they'll do this, yeah. they'll, whatever. And you accept that. And so we end up treating our family members or those people closest to us with, disrespect that we would never treat anybody else that we would never dare treat anybody else
1: oh yeah no because we because of the fear of losing that's the thing once you get too comfortable with like i'm not going to lose this person regardless Mm -hmm. like i'm of the thought process of never get too comfortable anymore with that thought not with the person with that thought yes because once you hit that stage honestly um it is it, it is easier to disrespect. It is easier to yeah, because stop you're like this
0: person's not going nowhere. This person ain't even me. We're right. not breaking up. This is not happening. Blah blah blah. And right. that's exactly what leads people down the road to yeah. ending a relationship. I'm just I'm just saying, like people get too comfortable and they don't pay attention to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The next thing you know, y'all are having real awkward conversations.
1: Or just silence. Because that's <laughs> the thing people warn you in, in, um, in different ways.
2: Mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
1: Like people do warn you about, uh, something not like sitting with them well. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the, probably one of the conversations that I had, um, with Jenna recently, because we've had so many conversations along the same line of like being considerate, the basis of friendships and all those things like it's it's very nice having somebody to have morning coffee talks with
1: yeah who is it because you you um so for people who are listening and don't know um jenna is your friend yes. but also um your roommate like your yeah. housemate excuse me yeah she's um, a
0: housemate and she's wonderful and we've been friends for a while all three me and Catherine and jenna are all friends and um, when Jenna moved in, it was like, okay, you know, whenever you move in with a friend, it's always like, God, I hope this works out. I hope this doesn't end badly. And she's been absolutely amazing. And because we're both early risers and we're both relatively morning people, I can have a couple cranky mornings, but you know, <laughs> relatively, we're morning people. We we'll get coffee and we talk. And what it reminds me of is I used to have coffee with my mom in the mornings when I was in college. Mm-hmm. I was sitting back at home. I used to with my mom drink coffee and talk with her. And I remember when I moved out. She would text me and we would text each other, like, I I miss talking to you over coffee. Mm -hmm. And so having that again has been really nice. And one of the conversations that I found really interesting the other day that we had um, was we were talking about how crazy New York is getting, right? How crazy New York is getting, how dangerous it's getting, how the crime rate is going up and blah, blah, blah. In certain, like, uh, I think it was gun violence has gone up. Uh And we were talking about how people are over in New York. And she was saying the other day that she was on the subway and she had mace on her keys. Mm -hmm. And I think somebody had made a comment of like, oh, you know, that's illegal. And she was like, yes, it was rape. Like, I'm not trying to get attacked. Like the things that it was, I think it was a guy friend who had made that comment or something or like somebody said, the police are going to take that away from me. She was like, I'd love to see them try to take this away from me because I have a right to defend myself. And there was a woman who was attacked on a subway platform in front, like in broad daylight. So Mm -hmm. we were talking about the things that women have to do to feel safe That I don't think a lot of men understand. One of those things is like having mace or my sister has a taser, or like you know what I mean? Like the things that we have to think about, like walking past a group of guys. To this day, if there's a group of men that I'm walking past, no matter where I'm at, I'm I am more alert and aware because Mm -hmm. I have to be. Or you cross the street. Exactly. Or you cross the street. If you look at the situation and you assess it and you go, Yep, not passing by those guys, I'm walking across the street. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, um, so the, I remember you, you you talked about this and you, you, you mentioned the question of like uh, things women do to feel safe, because when you said it to me, I was like thinking about it, right, mm-hmm. for myself. And I, I don't know, I don't think I do things to feel safe. Like, I know that sounds weird. Like, I'm not somebody who carries mace, I'm not set, somebody who does any of that, maybe I should. Mm-hmm. I just don't, and maybe this is, there's something naive in what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also how you carry yourself as a person. Yeah.
0: Uh, how you carry yourself, like, I think me, you, and Jenna have a similar um, way of carrying ourselves, but it's also, we carry ourselves differently when we're alone versus when we're with people. Now, no, the- e- even then, even then. Because no, even when I'm alone. Me on the subway and been like, I saw you on the subway and I was going to approach you, but you look hella angry. And I was like, oh, that's my I'm traveling alone face. That is my I'm on oh, the yeah. subway with my headphones in. Don't talk to me. I don't want to be bothered. Alone face. When I'm with my peoples, I'm usually laughing and joking and talking with them.
1: Well, and I'm more like um, physical carrying, like meaning literally um, for me, I, when I was thinking about it, it changes for me depending on in the moment how I'm carrying myself physically, how I am dressed and stuff like that. And that's the problem. The fact that I have to think about that. Mm-hmm. So for instance, where like, like for instance, with someone like Jenna, she carries herself the way you just mentioned, mm-hmm. but because she is a fitness person, she's constantly wearing leggings, which makes her um, body shape constantly visible to yeah. really annoying attention that, yeah. Honestly, she's just trying to go to work and she's just trying to work out, right? Where I noticed for myself, you know, when I wear leggings, it calls a lot more attention than I want, right? But when I wear like baggier clothes, for some reason I feel invisible. And that's a good thing, I like feeling invisible. And so sometimes in front of men, I don't know if it's just my body type, sometimes when I'm walking by men and I'm wearing really baggy clothes, I almost can portray a little boy because, like, I can put on a hoodie. Does that make sense? Like, I literally can come off like a little boy. So sometimes I might even notice by men.
0: Yeah, there are some times when that's the case. But there's also yeah. times when it doesn't matter what you wear. Where no, that's what I'm the saying. The people you're passing by or the neighborhood you're in. Like, people will yeah. say stuff to you. But yeah, yeah. baggy clothes, obviously, like, you feel different when... If I'm wearing tights or if I'm wearing workout stuff and versus wearing baggy clothes. Or if I'm dressed up to go back in the day when we would go out to shows, when I, if I'm dressed up for a show and people see me dressed up and dolled up, then it's like, okay, well, I look way different and I'm gonna, I'm gonna carry myself more cautiously when I am all dolled up. But that's what I'm saying, right? Like, so that's the only
1: time I thought about safety. When I, when I felt like I had to be alert of attention, that quote unquote, quote unquote I'm calling of other people. Because yeah. on a normal basis, that's just not how I carry myself. So I think women who are dolled up 99% of the time deal with this 99% of the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think women who kind of go between the 50-50 or the 75, you know what I mean? Like those women are, are just aware of it in certain moments. Yeah. And, and, and so to use, the, to, to use safety, on the train, I think every woman has, has more of a, like alertness to safety than a man, yeah. no matter what you're wearing. But this sounds weird. Um, when I am on the train, I also pay attention to the women around me.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: the reason I say that is because if I'm dressed the way that I'm dressed right now, it's a t-shirt, a hat, yeah. and let's just say I had a hoodie on, Right. The same baggy look we're talking about. If I'm on the train and it's just me, it does not matter what I'm wearing, I'm the woman on the train. Mm-hmm. But the minute a girl walks in who calls a little bit more attention with her body, I disappear. Yeah. So in a weird way, my safety feels less unsafe. That's very interesting. How attention, the male gaze, can shift so quickly. That you yourself feel like I've just gotten out of something. Does that make sense?
0: Well, I, yeah, that totally makes sense, but I also struggle between now I'm out of it, but now she's in it.
1: But that's what I'm saying. That's messed up. That's messed yeah. up that we live in that reality. That, yeah. like, men don't live in that reality, right? Like, that's where the word no. safety comes in because we still have to think about now that person's safety. And unfortunately, if you got to get off at the next stop, you only think about that woman for so long.
0: I will say this, though. There are men that are hyper aware of that because I remember being on the subway once. I think this was back when I was in college. And I was like all dolled up. I was all dressed up. And this guy was clearly making me uncomfortable. Like he was trying to kick it to me. He was clearly making making me uncomfortable. I was trying to ignore him. And this guy sitting across from me, he was an older guy. He looked at me and he went, hey, didn't you say that this was your stop? And I looked at him and I was like, oh, my God, thank you. I almost got off at the wrong stop. And I, I, we got off at the same stop. And I said, thank you so much for doing that. And he was like, you're welcome. I saw how uncomfortable you were. So, like, shout out to guys who do Better that. Work. Seriously, yeah. shout out to guys that do that, that see that, that make somebody feel safe and comfortable because there are situations where you're like, this, this guy is really being aggressive and I don't want this to turn into something physical where, like, do I have to grip him up? And then it gets too physical because it's like, if you get an attitude with certain men, they, they can get physical. Like where if you, if you suck your teeth or if you, whatever, if you're like, come on, just leave me alone. Like they can't just let it go. People sure. follow you. I've been followed from train car to train car before.
1: I, I don't know why. And you know, knock on wood. I've not, I've not had a lot of the issues. Like I have. I've had people talk to me arbitrarily. I've had people like um, try to kick it, but I've been very fortunate that when I usually will go, I'm good. Stop talking to me. For some reason, they stop. I've never had anybody go OD. Now I'm looking at that as a personal fortune, yeah. not like a not like a, a statement against other women. It's more like yeah. a you know somebody's
2: blessing enough that
1: this
0: had, that hasn't happened.
1: Right, but to kind of turn things on on its head from what you just said about that guy, part of me almost feels even more like, don't address me, like to the other guy. Don't address me, address him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because there's a part of my brain that goes, how do I even know that the guy who's addressing me isn't himself a fucking creeper, right? So
0: don't address me. That's a good point to make because, I mean, shout out to dudes that do that. Please don't stop doing that. If you see somebody being uncomfortable, please don't stop doing that. I think with men, and where I can understand the mentality of not approaching the dude is approaching the guy could potentially lead to a fight. Approaching the guy could potentially lead to him. Right. Whatever. We're
1: talking about women's safety. Yeah. So in women's safety. Safety, yeah. I'm just sorry. Like the, the, The one who's the most least protected in that moment is the woman. Don't approach her. Don't talk to her. And I really mean that because, again, she's already uncomfortable. She's already scared. Let's just say someone women are not like you and I who have a little bit of tougher skin because they're Native New Yorkers type of thing. Mm-hmm. But she's already worried and she's already scared. This other man could just further that fear is yeah. what I'm saying. But so I understand. Yeah, I don't want men to just be getting into like random fights with another man. Yeah. My thing, though, is if, if somebody was asking me for a woman, would you rather the woman be further scared or further possibly feeling like uncomfortable with now just another man's attention, or would you rather two men talk it out because men have a different um, vibe? Men but also men that's respect
0: too in that that woman could turn around to you if you talk to that dude and be like, I don't need you to fight for me, or. It could could. be a situation where that guy could still be a creepy dude trying to impress you about how he went off on this guy that was creeping you out. So you have to understand, like, the way women think is it's like any person could be a potential attacker. The guy from that guy, the guy who defended you against that guy, he could go after the guy and he could still be a a douchebag. He could still be a piece of shit dude. That doesn't matter. It doesn't, that's, when you talk about our safety and when you talk about that men don't understand that, that's the mentality that men don't understand where it's like, I could be getting harassed by somebody and you could defend me and I still got to be careful with you. Because right, but I don't know what your intentions are, whether right. you defend me or you try to help me out of that situation. I still don't know what your intentions are regardless.
1: Right, which is why I'm, just for me, I'm more of the, like, just, Everybody, like, don't talk to me. I don't, and that sounds weird, but like, yes, you're trying to defend me, but you don't need to talk to me. You need to talk to him. Because again, it comes down to this idea of men need to check men.
0: I don't know what I would mind more. I've I've had both happen, or, you know, sometimes I'll check the guy, or sometimes a guy will come and try to, you know, help me out of a situation. I appreciate either, but I think for myself personally, I don't know if I would trust somebody going after a guy because that seems more bravado to me than anything else and trying to prove like, look, I defended your honor more than a guy being like, hey, I'm gonna get you out of the situation and then I'm gonna dip. And I think all of the times that somebody's got me out of that situation, they've just dipped. It's never been like, can I get your number? It's never been like, can I talk to you? It's always been like, look, I just got you out of that because they were aware of the awkwardness they're never. It was never like I'm gonna kick it to you now. It was always like, peace out, good luck. I'm glad I was able to help, but I only wanted to help.
1: Well, look, at, I look at it like this: if you have an immediate out, so like in that situation you just brought up that you guys like got off the train, there was an immediate out. Yes, that makes sense because now you have a chance to you know scurry along, like go in another direction. But let's just say you still have to stay in that um, environment, right? For whatever reason, you're stuck on a train or you got. 20 more stops and they don't do the isn't this your stop tactic Mm -hmm. for me the reason why I say talk to him and the reason why I don't see that as like a you are trying to prove something is that you're literally I look at it like this living in a patriarchal world the attention is going to go somewhere it's either going to go to her or it's going to go to you right somebody's going to get the heat of whomever this um aggressor is this original aggressor that man is making the choice in that moment. I'm not saying men need to do this, but I'm saying if a man is having that moment of like, yo, let me help this woman out. That man is making the choice. If somebody were to get attacked, it's either her or me. I'm saying that if he starts talking to me, I don't, I don't think that changes. This man stopped talking to me. Now I got two men talking to me you see what I'm
0: saying? Like, and that makes me uncomfortable. It depends on how he approaches it. Because if he approaches it in that way of like, like this guy was obviously trying to pretend to be a friend of mine that I had been talking to before. So it depends. Or like a
1: stranger you talked to on the train before the other dude came through.
0: Exactly. So if somebody's approaching it like that, then it's like, okay, cool. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing here. That's cool. But if somebody comes up, and here's my only issue with somebody, again, going for the guy. I don't need you to act like you're my man and you're fighting for me because then we have to have an awkward conversation when that guy leaves. Well, I
1: think it's perspective.
0: You know what I I mean? I think it's,
1: but I think it's perspective, right? So like, again, if you take, if I I take myself out of,
0: if said stranger is fine, (laughs) like if if this person (laughs) is like super good looking, you're like, oh my
2: God, thank you for your help.
1: Thank you for saving me. No, but like, I feel like, again, I'm taking ourselves out of the context of being New Yorkers. So as New Yorkers, what you just explained was a New York courtesy that people do not understand if they're not from New York. So, for instance, same situation. A woman who is not from New York, who happens to be on a subway in New York, does not understand that social norm you just talked about that we just explained, that he is pretending like y'all talked six stops before and this was the stop. There is a courtesy oh, there, yeah, yeah. right? So what I'm saying is put yourself in the shoes of that woman who came from... South Carolina does not know our norms sitting there now she has two random strangers just some random dude who's trying to do that what you just talked about that we accept as New Yorkers but she's like wait now I got two people I never said that like I never said nothing you see what I mean she doesn't catch on to that norm
0: what I what I think why I think that wouldn't happen why I think she wouldn't feel like that is because of how aware women need to be she would have to be so naive to be in that situation and not realize what that person was doing because we've seen it. I mean, shit, it's been in movies. Like that kind of scenario has been in movies. So it's not something that's just a New York thing. It's something that as New York women, we're probably quicker to pick up and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I think in that situation, I think it would it would still be a welcome relief to her because she would understand what that guy was doing. I do think that you're right in that you still have to be careful about people's intention. Because yeah, maybe he's coming in to help you and you say thank you and maybe he tries to kick it to you. But most guys are smart enough to know that wouldn't be a good idea. Just because yeah. I'm in this situation is going to look really corny if I try to hit on her now after this. In fact, it usually messes up if a guy was like looking at you in the first place, like, hey, shorty type cute. And then he has to do that. It usually messes up his ability to actually kick it to you because right. now it's going to look so f- like, like a, a plan that was at your mans that hit on me. And now you got yeah. this plan. Like, so but they I think, know better.
1: But I think I'm talking, because um, when I hear the word safe, I think of the word responsibility. Mm-hmm. So again, in a, in a patriarchal world where women just have to, like you just said, be more cognitive of things that we should not have to be cognitive of. Like in, a, in, a, in an ideal world, we should not have to worry about men as predators. That's just a reality. Yeah. That's a fact, we should not have to. So therefore the responsibility I'm trying to talk about is more about responsibility on men. Yeah. In general, the fact is you're right. We live in a world where women have to be more aware. But let's just say some women, Regardless of what's in the media, if they're not from big cities, if they happen to be from rural towns, some women, um, you know, or not women, let me say this again, young girls, even, um, even myself as a New Yorker, I think about how, when I was younger, there was, there was always a girl face that I had, but there was a naiveness that years have changed in me. So I know how to now protect myself and be more aware in certain, into certain things. Or let's just say a woman is intoxicated. Your awareness is on a very different level when you're intoxicated. Everybody's different. I'm talking about the responsibility of men towards men. So this is why maybe I am less concerned if the two men end up in an altercation. Because if somebody has to take responsibility in that Teresa, it's going to be, to me, the two men. Because we live in a a world where women have to worry About. about yeah. That's how I see it. That's why I'm saying I'm less concerned on like, whether he's, yes, a creep, whether this second dude is creepier, or, or, or that does go through my mind. But it's more like I feel even more satisfied when I walk off a train and I realized I didn't have to say a word. Yeah. I was not addressed by this other person. The other person took it upon themselves because they understood that societally, they have something I don't have, which is their gender, mm-hmm. which is their build. Do you know what I mean? And I walked out of there going, I hope these two men don't fight. But if somebody was going to end up in an altercation with dude number one, it couldn't be me. As a woman, it couldn't be me. So that's where I think men need to address women less when they see those things and need to find a solution because they do not understand the full implication of what we're forced to do.
0: Yeah. And we're back, sorry about that. I had to take a momentary pause to uh, handle a mammary situation. Ah, I am breastfeeding and so my boobs get very full. That's uh, TMI for all of you guys. And My boobs get very full. And uh, if I do not take care of the situation, it is extremely painful. So I had to uh, take care of a a booby situation now you guys know that about me uh you guys know about my boob situation speaking of good conversations that I had um I had another great conversation uh with my bestie with James um because I had been I forget how we started this conversation I think I had just been talking to him about how depressed I had been about work and how not working was really getting to me and it was starting to make me second guess myself a lot. And I just, I think in the, during the course of the conversation, I started to beat up on myself a lot, which is one of my favorite hobbies, of course, is, is everybody's favorite hobby. is just being their biggest bully. And um, we're never as mean to anybody else as we are to ourselves. Like we're so mean to ourselves. And so um, James said something that, it hit me right in the feels. He said, do you ever talk kindly to yourself? And it was a question that like, it's such a simple question. Such a simple question, but when he asked that to me, I took a pause and I was like, I don't think I do. I don't think I ever talk kindly to myself. I think I am so harshly judgmental of everything that I do and of, of just every, everything, everything, the place I'm at in life, like everything. I talk so harshly to myself that if, it, if I was actually talking to a friend who was going through the same situation, I'd be so much kinder, so much more encouraging than I ever am to myself. And it really made me take a step back and realize the, the language that I use and the way that I talk to myself and sort of self-correcting that behavior and, and trying to be, not even trying, being more aware of when it happens so that I can self-correct and be like, no, we're not talking to ourselves like that today. We're not doing that today. And I think it's a question that, you know I posted it on my Instagram. And a lot of people responded, and they were like, "I never talk kindly to myself." And it was such a common response of like, I think I put a poll-up, that's what it was. I put a poll-up, and like over half the people had agreed that they never talk kindly to themselves.: Oh no, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Am my Cal. I,
1: mute, I muted myself because there was sirens.
0: Oh, okay. Um, I, was like, I was like, oh no, now we lost Catherine's audio. What is going I, on?
1: I haven't really like, um, I, I, I don't know why, like if there's sirens, I have to like mute it because I, I feel like you can hear the sirens and then I start talking really loud. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like trying to beat the sirens. So um, that's how I had to mute it. Uh, I don't know, like with me talking kindly to yourself, it's, very, it, it's a very interesting question, right? Because it's really about awareness. And I think that that's one thing people are constantly lacking. Um, just being so aware of like, you know, when they say, um, ha- how would you treat your inner child? Um, how would you talk to your inner child? Um, would, you te- would you talk to a child the way that you talk to your inner child?
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Like stuff like that. I, I think that's where I relate to it. Um, but weirdly enough, talking kindly to myself is uncomfortable does that make sense like it's not as easy as it sounds
0: yeah i think it is in the beginning because we're so used to being our own worst critic that in the beginning when you start talking to yourself kindly and being more encouraging to yourself it feels very weird almost borderline corny when you're talking to yourself kindly yeah we're saying things like like good job Catherine." like oh you killed that Catherine." like you know, you, you feel corny talking to yourself like that. But I guess the real question is why is our mentality, why are, we so much, why are we so much more okay with talking negatively to ourselves than we are talking positively to ourselves? Why do we look at talking positively to ourselves as something weird or corny in the way that we approach it instead of the opposite? You know, we're so used to tearing ourselves apart and shitting on ourselves essentially that when we're not doing it, it feels weird.
1: I think prob i mean i'm gonna assume right i think there's probably many reasons for it w- societally um i'm gonna say uh women are not meant to be kind to themselves societally yeah mm-hmm. Just like even in body image we're just not we're meant to be hyper critical of ourselves on a constant basis. 100%. So, so that's the one thing as a woman yeah but- James is the one who proposed it to you and he's a man. So he doesn't necessarily have that same issue, but it shows that like, it's not an issue only for women, right? So human-wise, um, then there's also uh, culturally, again, he's uh, a black man, uh, uh, not of like um, Latinx descent. So he doesn't, I mean, I don't know the pressures in um, black American families, and I'm not gonna pretend to have been raised with those pressures, yeah. but I know that within Latino communities, a lot of the pressure is also, um, we have a very hustle and bustle kind of way of going. So there isn't really like the, um, like we, we have a very, uh, want a cookie? Kind of way, like, oh, okay. so so so. you did some good, yeah. Right, you were supposed to clean your room. You want a yeah. cookie? That kind of thing. Um, so that's part of it culturally. Um, and then I think the third one is more socioeconomic. And this is where I do relate to African-American families that may be from socioeconomic um, communities, where in the hood, you grow up with like, don't gas yourself
2: up.
0: Yes, the don't gas yourself mentality is definitely something that you grow up. If you were hood or hood adjacent, see, I was mm-hmm. hood adjacent. So I hung out in the hood, but I did not live in the hood.
1: Mm-hmm. But the politics were similar.
0: Yes. The politics mm-hmm. were all similar. The language was similar. We all talked the same. And that was definitely part of it was like, don't gas yourself. Like if you were like, yo, I I killed this. Or were you gassing yourself like that? Like that yeah. is such, that is so absolutely true that people have that mentality. And right. why could not you gas yourself? Why should you wait for somebody else to gas yourself up? You know what I mean? Like, right. Why shouldn't you create your own hype is basically what the conversation kind of amounted to is like, you should be your biggest hype man. You should, yes. but instead you are your biggest bully.
1: Because we are um, conditioned in general, and this isn't just a hood. We're conditioned to need outward validation. I and mean, even something as simple as the statement, um, I always found this interesting, but the statement, uh, you don't give yourself your own nickname, people give you your nickname." That's weird because I am me. So yeah. if I want to call myself, I don't know, I was about to say, if I want to call myself water bottle, I'm going to call myself water bottle.
0: Are you going to call me water you bottle? you going to call yourself Doza. You right. call yourself Doza. Now,
1: don't get me wrong. People can, like if somebody gave me a cute nickname and I accept it, yeah. that's not about their validation. That's just going, oh, that's cute. Thank you. I'm going to use that. But if I've heard that a lot, like growing up, people shouldn't give themselves their own nickname. That's something that's bestowed upon you. But again, outward validation. Why do I need someone else to decide that I get a cool or cute nickname? Because that's just how society works. We always have to find a way to be validated outside. So that's why that inward kindness and affirmation is so awkward. Because it's not normal what we're taught. You know what I mean? From when yep. we're. And, e- and even when you're little, um, uh, we, we seek validation even as babies. Like our parents go, Good job. That's yeah. the first version of like validation. We know I did something well. I did something good. Right? So, and what, how do you teach a child to self, Good job. Yeah. Well, I mean. And, and the thing is impossible. I'm just saying, I can't even. I don't think I was taught to like. I think the only
0: way to really teach a child that kind of self-validating, self-validating statements is, you know, by the time they can communicate, you start to teach them things like, tell yourself you did a good job. You did a good job. Say good job. So, so so-and-so like, tell yourself you did a good job. Mommy doesn't need to tell you that you did a good job. You can tell yourself you did a good job. Right. Part of the conversation that needs to happen with children is like, you need to let them know it's okay to congratulate yourself on a job well done. Right, it,
1: but not um, because the, the, the alternative is the, do you want a cookie? You shouldn't tell kids like, do you want a cookie for cleaning your room? Yeah. But by telling them, um, tell yourself you did a good job, is, is a way for like, I'm not gonna congratulate you every time you clean your room, but you can congratulate you every time you clean your room.
0: So it also also gives that child a a sense of a self motivation where it's like, I'm going to feel good about myself because I can tell myself, Oh, good job. I cleaned my room. Okay. Awesome. I got that done. I'm proud of me. And then that can create in terms of their work ethic, you know, when it comes to homework or whatever, it, it gets this mentality of like, Oh, I did that. Good job for me. I did it. I did really well. I mean, I would love for, you know, one day for my son, who you eventually will probably hear crying at some point <laughs> during this podcast, um, for him to be like, you know, mommy, I did a good job on my homework. Like, I would love to hear my, my, my son saying, like, self-validating positive statements like that.
1: But I will say this. Um, uh, men are more likely to do that than women. Oh, in yeah. Generally. And then, and that's just gender-wise, then white men are more likely to do that than black men.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's just a fact. That's just the structural fact of the privileges there are in um, gender mm-hmm. and then in race, right? So like, um, James, again, being a black man, has probably internalized, um, things that weren't very kind to himself because of what society has done to black men, which is why he can have this conversation with you as a non-black woman, but as a woman.
2: Yeah. Right?
1: In comparison to somebody who is a white man, that's a different conversation. He does not experience what James experiences and he does not experience what you experience. Although that's not to say that white men can't be unkind to themselves. At the end of the day, it is a human being thing. Everybody can be unkind to themselves and to some degree we are all taught not to fully um, self-validate,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: I'm just saying the hurdles
0: are, yeah. are different. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, the hurdles are completely different, but yeah. the idea itself stays the same. The idea yeah. is that we never talk kindly to ourselves because it's not something we are conditioned to do.
1: Right, and like look at what you just said with your son, right? But even him, um, like let's just say uh, uh that isn't your issue, that he becomes someone who self-congratulates. But him seeing a mom who does that, a woman who does that for herself, or knowing of that, changes the way that he sees women. And the way that when he gets older, the way that women talk to themselves, if that's his norm, he never has this like, oh, she's full of herself mentality. No, that's his norm, right? Because that's also another thing if a
0: woman a is too different there's a total difference between somebody who's full of themselves mm-hmm. and somebody who speaks kindly to themselves
2: mm-hmm.
0: there's mm-hmm. A, there's a complete difference and 90 percent of the people that are full of themselves are the most insecure individuals that put up a false bravado or a false front of you know talking that way when really they're the most insecure people i'm not right. talking about somebody like that and I, you know no. but you do run the risk of Never becoming that person because that's all about the conversations you have. You know, when you're talking about raising a kid, you know, there's always that running joke of like, somebody had to raise the douchebag in the class. Like somebody had that person, you know, that's all about the conversations that you have and the lessons that you impart to your kids. If you yourself are the example of that person who is um, full of themselves, then that's what that kid is going to absorb. And they're going to go either way. Either they're going to go completely opposite of that or they're going to go right along with that and become the person who's full of themselves.
1: Right, and I mean, even, um, and again, the showing off thing, right? The don't be a show off. Um, That don't be a show off sometimes is used um, as a way to hinder people's like just natural talents and the things that we would have naturally um, congratulated ourselves for. Again, I think that women are, made to be more um, silent about their uh, accomplishments. Just naturally, uh, uh, the um, fragility, the male fragility, um, like how fragile men can be, mm-hmm. is why sometimes we don't speak outwardly about kindness to- about ourselves, because we don't want to be too boastful. And then therefore that informs how we speak inwardly. Mm-hmm. But
0: it also- other people on how to speak to us right that's that's a dangerous kind of way to be with yourself right because like people end up in unhealthy relationships right because people who are
1: i believe people who are not kind to themselves inwardly um either do nothing but the full front right like the full front so you could tell that's all a mask or Kind of are mousy. They just no dicen nada. They don't say anything about anything because they again want to be invisible. They almost are like, I'm just here, you know, doing what I gotta do. But yeah, I think in many ways, the kindness thing is hard. It's uncomfortable. And it makes sense why we don't feel like it's natural. You know what yeah. I mean?
0: But it should yeah. be more natural. Like I'm definitely pushing that more with myself. You know, the more I, I mean, and I've obviously I've always been into meditation, but like, getting really into it now like taking the time now to really like early morning when i'm up with my son as soon as i put him down for a nap like trying to meditate or trying to meditate with him trying to teach him stillness trying to teach him how to just be instead of constantly having to do just be so that way you can really be in the present moment and really deal with things and it's so much different when you're in the present moment and you're dealing with the emotions of that present moment and not the emotions of a past moment that this present moment has drudged up. Because that's something that a lot of people we get stuck in that past moment. And not being present is an issue for a lot of people in, you know, when you talk about relationships, in every relationship. Not being present in a familial relationship, not being present in a friendship, not being present in a relationship, a romantic relationship. You know, all of those things can happen and you can end up drifting apart or you know, just having, you know, a bad break with somebody because you were never present in that moment. You were always somewhere else. And it's an important lesson that I wish that I had been taught, but I hold no ill will towards anybody for not teaching me that. But I wish I had that. And now I have the opportunity to give that to my son. So I want to start him early on stuff like meditation. I want to start him early on stuff like positive affirmations because the world can lead. And you're right my son is a little uh is male my i have a male half white child who looks like a little white boy right he's gonna
1: experience the world
0: yeah as a white man yes that's how he's going to experience the world so it's on me to teach him certain lessons that he would not naturally learn or to help him understand Mm -hmm. on uh on the other side of his culture but also learning to empathize and understand and sympathize with people of other right. cultures and, and their battles and the things that he will never have to worry about.
1: Right, because his stillness um, will benefit him, right? Like, and yeah. his, his mental health and who he is as a person. But his stillness can then, um, in what, what his advantage will be in this world, his stillness can then give back because of what he was taught, right? Like that, Um, I look, I, again, we, we constantly talk about the throwing of the rope back, right? So that's a metaphorical thing in, in, in careers, but you can also think about that in the, um, in the advantages that we're given yeah. through the society we live in. With you teaching him that, inherently, he will have this throw the rope um, behavior, this yeah. throw the rope, uh, rope you hear me? The woke. Throw, throw the rope back. Yeah. Don't, just throw the wolf back. Um, want you to throw the wolf back. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna have that naturally. That is all about like foundation and what you learn and 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 how you condition people. But you know, I want to add into that something that I've been criticized for a lot myself, and I've always seen as a, a as a negative because of the critique. Um, people's lack of liking, understanding, and being able. To critically think I've always been told I think too much into things but that also has I, I do I do I'm not gonna lie but it does also allow me to be a very critical thinker
2: yeah.
1: and that critical thinking is what leads towards mindfulness see now mind you in critical thinking you can go either madness or mindfulness you make the choice are you going mad or are you going mindful yeah. I say that the reason why I say I can be an overthinker is because that's when I'm leading towards madness, right? Mm-hmm. But when, when I'm not, when I'm doing it because it's gonna help me and because it's gonna help the situation and I realize there's something I'm like, I'm going into, I'm digging out, that's about I wanna be more mindful about the situation. But people are so uncomfortable in critical thinking. People are so uncomfortable in breaking things down because it requires actual, like, um, work in your head. Mm -hmm. It requires empathy. But it requires you to be more than just about you. Yeah. And that's where if you teach someone from a young age to be mindful, if you teach someone to be kind, inevitably, they will be critical thinking. Because they will be people who look at situations unbiasedly and can be very bipartisan and just go, "Um, let me examine this so it's the best solution the most calm solution whatever I don't want to use the word positivity but whatever um the most neutral and best for everyone solution will be we're not taught that naturally we're taught um solve it and move on yeah that's it not even solve it really not like fix the problem just solve it momentarily and move the fuck off
0: yeah we are we're very much taught that And you're right about critical thinking a lot of people shy away from it because it requires extra work it requires so much extra work that they get intimidated by the idea of having to break things down
1: okay that was attacking her buzzer just attacked us guys
0: yeah guys i don't know if you know this is how zoom podcasts go now uh uh, you won't hear buzzers there is a dog barking in the background i can hear my son fussing so uh i just hear him in the background just like being all whiny. And I'm like, I'm coming soon, I promise. (laughs) We will fast this to our dear Gina so I can deal with all that's going on in my household. And thank you for your patience. And sorry for the bomb alarm that just went off with my doorbell. (laughs) Of all places to have a doorbell. Um, Hopefully that's another delivery for me. Uh, When you
1: think about it, it makes sense to have a doorbell in the kitchen.
0: Oh, yeah,
2: Absolutely.
1: It does, because um, they're just assuming 99% of our time is spent in the kitchen. Yeah. And the kitchen is usually the closest to the front door, right, so or the living room.
0: I want to hear this doorbell in the kitchen so that I know somebody's here.
1: But I think there should be a doorbell in almost every, like in the bathroom, there should
0: be a doorbell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you know yeah. you can hear... I told yeah, absolutely. Like you're like, oh, somebody's here. All right, there's right there should also be a way to communicate with somebody from the bathroom. Like, hey, I'm pooping. I'll be out in just a sec. Just, <laughs> right, wait, what kind of
1: doorbell do you have? Because like in the build, in one of the buildings that I grew up in, um, when I was younger, it was like um, speak, door, and listen. Oh, it's
0: just a ring. I wish we had the speak. I would. Wish- it's just the doorbell, the ding dong doorbell thing.
1: I loved it because there was the listen button. Which I could listen to you, but I haven't decided to speak
2: yet. Wow. You know what I
1: mean? And then there was the speak button. And sometimes when I was really, really little, I would just listen. Because, like, I, for instance, that was my spine mechanism. If somebody, if I saw two people that, like, lived in the building and they look like they were fighting and they were walking into the building, I
2: would listen in the, because you can listen to the lobby and you'll be like, yeah, second argument, <laughs> second <laughs> argument. Yo, they're arguing, yo.
0: Yo, they're arguing again, bro. It was about to fight. They're about to fight. Yo, you would, Catherine. You would. That's genius, yo. They gave you a built-in spy button. You're not going to I would, No, I, w- nah, I would. I would use that joint. Imagine you've heard somebody talking trash about you, though. Like, you press the listen button. You'd be like, oh, word. That's how she really felt, though? Okay.
1: Right. And people forget that the buzzer thing is there. So they might go into the building and talk. So you just sit in there, listen. You know what I mean? I think... It would be so funny if somebody did that, and then right after they stop talking shit, they're like, "You know, I can hear you, right?" Like they press
2: the speed button.
0: No, right. All right, let's move on to our dear Gina real quick before stuff gets crazy here. Uh, our dear Gina this week, um, short and sweet. Dear Gina, do you stick with somebody just because they have mental issues and you're afraid to leave? Interesting question. Um this one's a bit of a I'm I'm a bit torn on this one, I'm gonna be honest with you. Because mm-hmm. the logical side of me, the uncaring Aries side of me, will tell you um absolutely not that your happiness should be paramount to you and being with somebody who is emotionally unstable is damaging to you. However, mm-hmm. there is a part of me who is now a mother. Mm-hmm. And who now sees human beings very differently, having to now raise one and create a, you know, some sort of foundation for him and thinking of in terms of if my son were in a situation where he were in a relationship and let's just say he did have some sort of emotional issues or whatever, and somebody just up and left him without care or concern for his mental stability, knowing how he was, I would feel a certain type of way about that. Because I would think, and maybe this is just me being way too sensitive to the situation. In those situations, you got to ease somebody out of that relationship. Because 90% of the time, somebody with any kind of emotional instability is going to be really codependent on the person that they are in a relationship with. Mm -hmm. So you are the person that calms them down. You are the person that makes them happy. You are the person that, you know, you're their person. And for you to just bounce out of the picture, it's kind of like, wow, you just unplugged this person. Like, you know, when you pull the plug, like right out, you just totally unplug this person and now they don't know how to act. And what's dangerous about that situation is, you know, we've all heard those stories of, oh, my ex used to always threaten to kill himself if I left him and blah, blah, blah. People really go through with that. And I I hate to say it, but you do have to, in my opinion. You do have to be mindful of stuff like that because there's a life that's in danger because of mental instability. You know, yes, look out for your happiness, but if you can't gradually pull away from this person, I mean, it has the potential for somebody to physically harm themselves. And that's what scares me about just up and like leaving somebody. I think it depends on how you do the leaving, it's not that you have to stay. You should never stay with somebody if they are another job for you. But it depends on how you leave. Mm.
1: I agree. I just, um, you know, I want to make more of a comment on, like, uh, the the beginning and the commitment, Mm -hmm. right? So if you walked into this situation fully aware, of this person's mental instability, condition, Mm -hmm. um, disease, whatever the case may be, illness, um, then you took on a responsibility, right? Um, I mean, the same thing could go for, like, uh, handicaps. You know, like, um, there are people who will question, is it wrong for you to leave somebody if they were able-bodied and then something happens and now they're not Mm able-bodied and you leave them? You know what I mean? Some people will argue, well, that's messed up because they need you more now than ever. And then other people will argue, yeah, but when they got with them, they didn't sign up for that.
2: Yeah. So
1: I'm not, I'm not agreeing with either party. Again, I think it's about how you go about things. But in this situation, I'm going to assume that the person, in a per- if it's a person who got with somebody who had a pre-existing and verbalized situation, I was actually, um, without saying names, um, in a previous relationship who they were in a previous relationship with somebody who was bipolar, right? And in, in full honesty, this person knew that the other person was bipolar from when they got together. This person was warned, and I use the word warned specifically, by the, per- the other person's family member that... Um, The person, though the the, the words exact were, my child will never be satisfied, Mm. and they were they were specifically talking about the bipolar um, disorder. Now, the person continued to be with the person. The person decided to marry the person. The person decided to have a life with them, knowing all of this. So when things went left, um. There's two ways to look at the the decision that um, my uh, my former partner made. So on one end, the person with the condition that they used to be with um, actively chose to stop taking uh, um, medication. Mm. And then in stopping, that kind of puts you in a dangerous place because you're aware that it's going to cause you episodes. That is not your problem, your partner's fault because your partner may have chosen to be with you. But if your part, if you tell your partner from the beginning, But I take medication to regulate and they understand that system, and then you actively choose to change that system, I could see that making somebody go, Dude, I don't know. I mean, if you're changing medication because there's a better medication that's different, and the side effects to that is different, but if you're choosing to go off medication, now you're choosing to put me in a situation where now I have to deal with. Like, all I know is you on medication type yeah. of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not part of the deal. We have deals and then we have to re-up our deals. If that, you know what I mean? Like, every, we have to uh, up the contract, let's call it. Yeah. So in that situation, I would understand why the person would want to leave you because they go, nah, I signed up for this, but you really just kind of made a decision without considering me. Yeah. But in another scenario, if you flip that, um, the person actually, uh, instead in, 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 my, in my, in my real ex situation, his ex ended up having, uh, addiction to, um, the medication, mm. right?
2: Yeah. That
1: was not preexisting. Yeah. That could not be foreseen. And in many ways, I'm not going to blame her for that because addiction can just creep the fuck up on you. That's yeah. my opinion. Right. I felt with time very indifferent about leaving somebody like that Mm -hmm. because on one end I understood the stresses of he did not sign up for that. But on the other end, um, the instability of her up and downs already hormonally, Mm -hmm. but now an addiction on top of it.
2: Yeah. I
1: empathized with him. And again, I go back to... In my situation, I do not feel like you have a choice as to who you fall in love with, but you do have a choice as to who you involve yourself with mm-hmm. in, in spite of love. Because I was in such close proximity to somebody in that dilemma, I'm not saying I would not be with somebody who has any type of like um, mental illness issues. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm saying I would think about it, I would critically break that down. Mm-hmm so much and I will put every scenario possible good and bad that I can think of and if I make the choice then I gotta stick with that choice if god forbid it goes left
2: mm-hmm. Does
1: that makes sense like that's what I'm saying if I made the choice because I critically thought it then yeah I gotta stick it out and if I still decide to leave I gotta be careful with the weaning off type of thing I have to understand that I have to respect them for that yeah now if it gets violent and your life is in danger very different situation.
0: Completely different situation. If you're talking about violence, obviously, get the holy hell out of there, and, right? And don't look back. You know, this is now. This is about your safety. You know what right. I mean? Um, but if it's your
1: safety against their safety. I'm sorry, your safety. But if this is your sanity against their safety, don't compromise your sanity. But wean it off. Make a plan fortunately for you you don't have the mental instability so you do have the critical thinking skills you do have the self-control I hate
0: to say it but it is on you to be the more responsible partner Um, because you you have the mental capacity to be the more responsible partner
2: yes yes and
1: I mean I get it that's like a a super headache and like you said who wants to be responsible for another person
2: yeah
1: but isn't that what we um for better or for worse Mm mm-hmm Isn't that what we, 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 I'm sorry, those, those vows, I'm not a person who's sitting here like marriage is sacred. I don't think about it in a, in a religious way, but I do believe vows are, um, an exchange of vows is like, uh, unspoken, I I mean, unwritten promise. So, I mean, you do sign a paper when you get married, but let's just say you don't get married either way. Um, the time you spend with somebody every year is a new contract. It's a new unspoken.
0: Here it gets deeper and deeper. Your your attachment to that person, whether you're yeah. married or not, your yeah. attachment becomes deeper, deeper. Especially if you have some kind of mental instability, then it's like they really dig their claws in. Where it's like I really need this person. So it's just something to take into account. Um, Catherine, tell the lovely people where they can find <laughs> you. They know. Um, tell them anyway. Yeah.
1: Uh, Catherine G. Mendoza on Instagram mm-hmm. and uh, and on TikTok, and um, Kathy Grace24 at on Twitter, but it's K A T H I E G R A C E 24 at Twitter.
0: It's at <laughs> Kathy Grace24 on Twitter. That was very backwards, but I went with it. I was like, she's doing this very backwards. <laughs> yeah, my brain was not work you would not compute your Twitter uh, for some reason. Um, you guys know you can find me at gibrion on Instagram. Uh, also at gbrion eighty on TikTok, which I'm having a lot of fun with. Um, no, and you made um have, what five was it five hundred k? No, I'm at a hundred and fifteen uh-huh. k, and that's a lot two million likes, which is that's really a lot. That's amazing. So it's weird and. For some reason, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm having a lot of fun with TikTok, but I don't take it too seriously. So even seeing those numbers, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. It's TikTok. Like I'm like, it's you know, it's TikTok. How long is TikTok gonna be around anymore? You know what I mean? Or I'm like, I don't even know how long it's gonna be around. So I'm just enjoying other people's content more than anything yeah. else. I'm really enjoying other people's content. Like I'm addicted to it now. I will look on TikTok every day. I'm on TikTok, looking at people's videos, liking stuff. I'm the. F- I am literally like addicted to following people. So if I follow you, don't be shocked. I like your content. I'm following you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, but my TikTok is at G Brion. Uh, check out the Floors and Lava on Amazon or the Hot Comedy Fest on HBO Now or any of the stuff I have on HBO. uh check checking out. <laughs> Amazon, Amazon too, because I have two specials on Amazon. And I'm in a couple of other things on Amazon, too, which I just realized, like, if you type my name into there, there's, like, a couple of other things that pop up. And I was like, that's on Amazon? Like, a couple of game shows I did and stuff like that. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, So you can check that out. Um, You guys know I love to end the show with a piece of advice my mom gives me to this day. And it is a gem. Yes. When life throws a lot at you, handle it one catastrophe at a time. One catastrophe at a time, people. Until next time, deuces. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, Catherine. I miss you my. Don't think I swim in it like David. Yeah, do it like that. Yeah You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Looks damn good, but really she tight bad. Go to sleep, I call him a night cat. Born killer, you a born killer, don't get him, gone, get him mm.